welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is joe fine from lakeline properties welcome joe thank you very much man i appreciate you having me on sure thank you a little bit about joe real estate investor multi family syndicator and land developer general partner in over 1100 doors in texas limited partner in more than 11000 doors across nine states principal in ground up development projects spanning 65 acres in the greater austin area acute business expertise developed over 30 plus year career in high tech as business owner entrepreneur executive program manager and engineer father of four phenomenal young adults and husband to a fantastic supportive wife So with that Joe you want to add anything to your background? Um sure I guess I can share that um, I haven't always been in real estate in fact it's relatively recent for me that it's been a focus of my career aspirations I was trained in college as an engineer uh worked in high tech companies for many years uh first as an engineer and then uh, over time as a manager and then a program manager working closely with engineers uh, a lot of the skills mapped on nicely to real estate but wasn't until about 4 or 5 years ago that I shifted my focus started working on real estate initially as a side gig and then about 2 years ago left my W2 job uh, also left California at the same time moved to Texas and uh, went full time into real estate awesome and how did you get into real estate multi family so initially getting into real estate for me was a result of a decision that my wife and I made that we had planned to move to from California to Texas by the time we made the decision we weren't in a position to make the move and so we decided to invest in a property in Austin uh that's where we intended to move and by investing in that property we figured it was a good protection against the possibility that either Austin real estate would uh get too expensive or maybe the real estate where we lived in the bay area uh near San Jose would somehow collapse uh just in case either of those two things happened by investing in a piece of real estate in Austin uh we felt like that was a good protection to uh, help us out but once i did that started learning about real estate and learning about what it can do in terms of both cash flow and appreciation and uh, almost immediately decided to jump into more investments so shifted over time from that first single family house to buying some duplexes and triplexes then uh, also discovered the syndication model where people partner up to buy large commercial properties did that for a while as a passive investor invested in other people's deals deals that other people were organizing and i would just be passive in those deals uh, but i used those as a learning opportunity and over time i became more more comfortable with the, the business model of syndication and decided to start syndicating my own deals uh, as a sponsor so i uh, started doing that a little more than a year ago since then we closed on i think it's six properties that we've syndicated uh, and as you mentioned in the intro you know 1100 doors uh mostly in Austin but some in Houston as well got it and you invested in more than 11000 doors so what exactly you learned from investing in different states so for me my my initial investments were really focused on learning i mean they they were also investments that i was hoping to make money on but even if i hadn't made money on them if i got uh some new skills or knowledge out of them to me that that would have been worth it so my first investment as a passive investor in a syndication uh was with a group of people that I had met at meetups that I was attending while I was living in California. These people were were also living in California but were syndicating deals where they were 
buying 200 plus unit apartment buildings in Dallas or the Dallas Fort Worth area. So I invested with them as a passive investor on one of the deals. I got them to allow me to dial into their calls with their property manager. So once a week, I would dial in to this conference call. I would put myself on mute because I'm a passive investor. I don't have a say in anything, but I would just listen. And so for an hour, I would listen to what they were doing with their property manager. And, you know, it was all kinds of things. It was uh, working out the business plan, figuring out which units they were going to renovate, what they were going to do about delinquent tenants or staff turnover, a long list of issues and items. And as I would listen in, one of the things I learned was a lot of the skills that they were exercising in asset management were quite similar to the skills that I had developed as a program manager in my W-2 job. So besides learning the nuts and bolts of the business, I was also learning that uh, being a sponsor was not out of reach for me. It wasn't a whole new skill set that was completely alien and foreign to me. It was quite, quite familiar. And so it felt like I could, I could do that. I could try that as a, as a sponsor. And, uh, and, and I had the skills that I would need to succeed. So that was the big learning for me initially in those in those passive investments. Got it. You're investing as a, a GP. So what, what kind of business model you're implementing on those deals? So most of the deals I've done as a sponsor on the value add multifamily side have been deals that are between, say, 30 to 50 years old that are a little bit run down, maybe a little tired, could use some renovation, some freshening up. And so we're going in and doing mostly cosmetic work. It's new paint, flooring, uh, sometimes new cabinets, but more often we're painting cabinets, replacing countertops, uh, replacing appliances with either black or stainless steel, generally making the places look nicer and feel better. You know, if, there, if there's smells from previous smokers, we get rid of that. We touch up the landscaping. So all of these things are relatively inexpensive, but have a, a significant impact in the bottom line because tenants will pay more in rent for places that look good. So that's really the focus of the, the GP uh, business plans that I've been a part of. Uh, more recently, I've also in, uh, been a, a sponsor in a larger deal, this one in Houston, where we bought a, a brand new 330-unit asset, uh, really gorgeous, high-end in a suburb of Houston that's got very high incomes. The business plan there is quite different. Uh, because it's brand new, there's really nothing much we have to do to the property, but the rents in that area are increasing rapidly. Uh, partly just because of the supply and demand, but also because, the, as I said, the, the average income in the area is quite high, so it can support um, rents that are a little bit higher than uh, the rents that were being charged initially by the, the builders. So, so we've got a good business opportunity there. It's a little bit different of a business plan. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I now sponsor other deals where we're focused on ground-up development, and that's a very dramatically different business plan, of course, because uh, with ground-up development, you don't have any buildings there already. There's no tenants. There's nothing to repair. You're starting from a clean slate and the challenges and the opportunities are quite different. Yeah, got it. What is the reason behind going into a land, land development model? Uh, so initially, uh, when I went into land, I was partnered up and am still partnered up with uh, a couple of business partners who have a long history in doing subdivisions. And in the subdivision model, you buy a piece of property, let's say it's uh, 20 to 50 acres, and you slice it up. You carve it up into smaller chunks. Maybe it's one acre, maybe it's even smaller. And you put in roads and utilities. You get approval from the city for all of that, for the plan and the, and the new maps. And then at that point, you can then sell off the lots to builders who can then build structures on it. 
So that process of getting approval from the city for a new plan and then putting in streets and utilities is relatively quick turnaround. And the, the numbers look really good. The business opportunity is fantastic. And so that was our original intent with, with the first property we bought together was to do that. We bought a 20-acre parcel uh, in a, a small town called Lockhart, about half an hour south of Austin. And with that 20-acre parcel, the way it was zoned, we could divide it up into, I think, something like 65 lots. And numbers looked great. The turnaround on the on the process, the time it would take was was very quick. However, we underwrote it with some other scenarios as well. And what we discovered is that the high, if we could get higher density, we could make even more money on the project. So we went to the city and asked them if they'd be open to allowing us to do something higher density. And they said, yes, as a matter of fact, we don't have any townhomes. And we'd love to offer that as, a, as an option to our residents. So if you bring us a townhome proposal, we'll work with you on it. But we thought that was fantastic because townhomes would give us much higher density than single family residences. And so we immediately started working on that. Um, however, uh, with townhomes, we really can't sell off lots to builders. We really have to manage the build ourselves. And so that project morphed into, rather than doing a subdivision, we're doing a development and a build. As we're going through the process, we've discovered we have a taste for it. We're, we're comfortable with it. Uh, since then, we've bought a couple more properties and are going through builds of various sorts. Um, I mean, we're still early. We're still doing entitlements. But the plan is to do builds on, on other parcels. Uh, around the Austin area. Got it. So what are the different scenarios you underwrote for that deal you mentioned? Uh, for that particular one, so it's zoned for low-density single-family. So the default is 8,500-square-foot lots. We underwrote for much smaller lots, what's called patio homes, which are still detached single-family homes, but on very small lots, let's say 3,500 to 4,000-square-foot lots. We also underwrote for duplexes, we underwrote for quads, uh, and we underwrote for townhomes. I suppose we could have underwritten for multifamily for apartments buildings, but we felt pretty sure that the city wouldn't allow that on this particular plot of land. It was, it's in a residential neighborhood. It's diagonal across the street from two elementary schools, three blocks from the high school. So we think it's really suitable for families, especially young families. And apartments don't really lend themselves to that. So, you know, we didn't even ask the city for permission on apartments. I imagine apartments would have made a lot of money, but it didn't quite fit the character of the neighborhood. So we figured Townhomes was perfect. That would give young families a nice, affordable option to uh, to be in that neighborhood and uh, to attend the schools that are nearby. So that's what we're aiming for. But uh, at, you know, per your question, we we underwrote duplexes, quads, single family, small single family, a bunch of different scenarios. Got it. Got it. And so, what are some advantages and challenging experiences with land develop, ground up development? Well, so it's hard for me to answer that um, in a really thorough way because. We haven't finished any of our ground up development projects. In fact, we haven't even broken ground yet. We're we're still very early in the process. But um, some of the challenges in ground up development that I've seen so far is in the planning cycle, you have to be very, very careful that you understand what the constraints of any particular piece of property are. And those constraints come from all different directions. So first, of course, there's the zoning restrictions that the city may have on the use of the land. But beyond that, there are uh, there's, there's floodplains where you, you can't build on parts of the land that are prone to flooding. So even though they may those parts of the land may look dry now, if, uh, if a 100-year flood comes in and, and that piece of land would be underwater under those kind of circumstances, then you're not allowed to build there. Um, it makes sense. You don't want a piece of property that's likely to be flooded in the next few years. Uh, beyond that, there's access to utilities. 
a lot of pieces of empty land don't have power or maybe they don't have water or sewer. And those are all really essential in a lot of build, uh, build plans, development cycles. Uh, we also have to uh, work closely with uh, people with different skill sets than you do in the value-add multifamily space. We're working with civil engineers and architects and geotech engineers, uh, surveyors, um, you know, people that can help us do the early planning so that we, can, we know what we can build and where we can build it and how they can be configured cost-effectively and in a way that's attractive to future tenants. And all of this is sort of built in a vision that you have to develop as opposed to taking an existing property and saying, hey, we'll just, we'll fix it up. We'll put in some, some new floors and we'll repaint and it'll look beautiful. Uh, it's a much more blank canvas with a lot of different levers you can pull and parameters you can change. And so it's, it's a wide open field in the sense of, you know, you get to decide at a more fundamental level what you do. Um, you know, one of the pieces of property we're under contract on, we're thinking about doing a self-storage facility, but we're going through underwriting on that. And we know that if it doesn't underwrite for self-storage, we can choose any of a number of other possibilities. We can we could build uh, something residential on the property. We could do offices. Uh, we doubt we can do retail because it's not great uh, road frontage. But I mean, the possibilities are endless. The options are open. And so that's just, a, it's a characteristic of ground up development that you've just got a lot more options available to you. Great. And thank you. So w- would you share any of your best multifamily investing experience so far, either passive or active? Yeah. So the first multifamily uh, property that I was that I sponsored was a 42-unit building um, in Austin, Texas. Uh, it's It was built in 1983. Uh, it was built originally as townhomes, but converted into apartments. Each apartment unit has a fireplace and is relatively large. Most It's almost all one bedroom. When we bought the property, we uh, the, the seller was getting $950 a month in rent. We looked at it and thought we could get uh, $1,100 in rent, so $150 rent bump after renovating. Uh, when we took it over, we renovated a couple of units and started testing the market. And it turned out the current market rate for those almost immediately was $1,250. Uh, I think we might even be up to $1,275 now. Uh, and this was almost you know within a couple of months of, of acquisition. So we went, we underwrote for $1,100 a month in rent and the numbers already looked pretty good. We're now at $1,250 a month in rent and rising. So of course the numbers look phenomenal at this point. So we're fairly confident we're going to exceed our, ex- our investor expectations. We may end up selling earlier than we had planned. This was a three to five year hold with a refi in year two. We are contemplating possibly selling much earlier than that, maybe as soon as the refi would have happened. So there's different options available um, and we're not ready to commit to any particular plan or path, but just based on our very early experience with the much higher rents than we anticipated, we're confident we'll be able to do well with this property. Got it. And would you also share any of your challenging experience, either passive or active? Yeah. So I guess the the, uh, t- the toughest experience I had was before I was doing any real syndication deals, I was buying some small multifamily in Ohio. Um, and one of the first couple of properties I bought was a quad. It was a four unit in a suburb of Cleveland called East Cleveland. And anyone who's familiar with the Cleveland area would know that East Cleveland does not have a great reputation. It's a really um, kind of downward mobility kind of neighborhood. And um, for this particular property, the pricing was great. Uh, The property was in a a part of East Cleveland that was isolated from the rest of the city of East Cleveland. 
and was actually much closer to another suburb called Cleveland Heights, which was uh, what you might consider an A minus or even or B plus neighborhood. Good schools, uh, solid tenants, really nice area to live in. And if you look at a map, this the street that my quad was on um, looked like it should have been part of Cleveland Heights. It was just an accident that was in East Cleveland. So I thought, hey, I'm going to get a, an East Cleveland price for a Cleveland Heights uh, set of tenants and Cleveland Heights rents. That's what I thought was going to happen. Uh, I was wrong. The property acted like it belonged in East Cleveland. The tenants that I was able to attract were not good tenants. They abused the property badly. We had a lot of vandalism. We had a fair number of delinquencies, a lot of tenant turnover. Uh, the tenants were very hard on the property. Every time a tenant would leave, we'd, we'd have to go in and do a lot of work to clean it up and repair the damage. And so in hindsight, that was a real mistake, thinking that I was you know, going to get a, a good deal and, and get uh, better tenants than the, than the neighborhood warranted. So I ended up selling that property about six months ago. I think I, I lost a fair amount of money on the property, but I'm, I made money on other properties in Cleveland. So, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, uh, I'm not financially suffering. And I figure that experience was a, a good learning experience. It's it's what some people would call a, a seminar that uh, that I paid a fair amount of money for to, to learn some good lessons. Got it. Yeah. So we, we learn from our mistakes. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So any one advice that have impact on you, Joe? Uh, my biggest piece of advice for people who want to be in the business is be ready to partner up. My biggest limiting belief was thinking that I had to do things on my own when I jumped into uh, commercial real estate. And that, in hindsight, was was a really uh, not just wrong, but very uh, sharply limiting belief that would have kept me from doing a lot of interesting things. So once I opened myself up to partnering with people, uh, that created a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So I've been able to scale much more quickly than I could have dreamed of, uh, you know, instead of, so I'm, I'm sponsored, as you mentioned, in 1100 doors. If I had stayed on my own and only done things that I could do by myself, I can't imagine I'd be anywhere near say a hundred doors at best. Yeah, totally agree on that. So any, any books that impacted your life and what way? Yeah. The, the, my favorite books are, there's actually two books on, uh, on syndications uh, from the perspective of the passive investor that I really like. One is called The Hands-Off Investor by Brian, Brian Burke. And the other is called Passive Investing in Commercial Real Estate by James Kandasami. Both of those books, they, they have similar information. So you really only need to read one or the other. But they're both fantastic resources for people who are considering getting into the, the commercial real estate um, investment pool and initially as passive, but also even as sponsors. It's great resources. And, and by the way, I've, I've got a list of, of these books and others, as well as a list of podcasts that I've listened to over the last few years on my website. So people are welcome to go to my website and uh, see that list of books and podcasts. Um, website, if you don't mind me, me sharing with your listeners, lakelineproperties.com. That's L-A-K-E-L-I-N-E properties.com. And there's a tab called educational resources. Under that tab is my list of recommended books and podcasts. And uh, uh, like I said, for, for anybody who's looking to get into the industry or just wants to round out their knowledge about real estate, these are the, the ones that I recommend. I've, I've read dozens of books. I've listened to dozens of podcasts and I've, I've pulled out the, what I consider the cream of the crop in my, in my list. Good. And how are you giving back to community, Joe? Oh, giving back. So I think uh, a big part of it is the work that I do with my properties and with my tenants. Um, you know, I'm on the value add multifamily side, I'm improving the properties and making a better quality of life for my tenants. On the ground up development side, I'm creating new spaces for people to live in, which 
it's fantastic. It's a it's a win win for uh, for residents, for my investors, for myself and my family. Uh, really great all around. Uh, in addition to that, I'm, I'm, I, I contribute to a number of charities. Uh, back when I was in California, I actually uh, was president of an educational charity, a nonprofit. Um, haven't gotten involved in in a nonprofit like that in Texas yet, but um, hoping to find one that I can participate in. Um, also, I run a meetup in the Austin area. People would be welcome to attend if they happen to be here. It's an in-person meetup. It's not not an online meetup um, in Austin on the first Mondays of the month. Um, you know, be welcome to reach out to to me for information on that. And uh, through that that meetup, I also provide a lot of education to uh, folks who want to get into the business or people who are investing or or people who want to sponsor. Got it. How can listeners can connect with you, Joe? So I already shared my my website, lakelineproperties.com. Uh, on that website, there's a contact form or people can email me directly. It's joel at lakelineproperties.com. And, uh, you know, just uh, reach out and let me know what your interest is. I'm, I'm always happy to chat about real estate and syndication and, you know, uh, either uh, just just uh, chew the fat about, about syndications and real estate or if you want to get more directed and talk about my investment strategy or how to get involved in one of my deals, I'm, I'm always open and I, I welcome those conversations. Thank you, Joe. Thanks. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for adding value to the show. My pleasure. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to you and to, to share this information with your audience. Sure. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing. Thank you.